0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Good Dudes Grow. Let me ask you a question. LSD, ecstasy, magic mushrooms, are these recreational drugs or medicine? The answer to that question may surprise you. That's why our next guest will explain this all. Stay tuned. Let me first start out by saying thank you to Podcast Powertrain for helping produce my show. These are the guys you need behind you if you're looking to start your podcast. Also, I'd like to thank... Powered by Riverside FM. That's right. Our show is powered by Riverside FM, one of the best platforms to actually have a podcast on. So I'm going to have some links at the end of the show or in the show notes. Check them out. These are the two people that you need to get get with to make your podcast top 100.
1: The good don't grow. We help you understand the benefits. With CBD and cannabis. Yeah. The good don't grow. We remove the fear of the unknown by giving you all the facts. The good don't grow unbiased content from opposing views to give you nothing but the facts. I
0: welcome you to the show The Good Dudes Grow. Hey everybody, welcome back to a great show of Good Dudes Grow. My next guest is Dr. Pamela Crisco who specializes in family medicine, rural emergency medicine, chronic pain, functional medicine, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, and the research of psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms, microdosing, ketamine, and MDMA, which is also known as ecstasy. Her current focus is on psychedelic research and public speaking. She has participated at the conferences such as the Psychedelic Psychotherapy Forum, Spirit Plant Medicine, and hosted public webinars for the Canadian Psychedelics Association. She's also not only a member of the board of the Canadian... Psychedelic Association. She she is a founding member. Dr. Pamela Crisco, thank you for coming on the show. I'm excited about this because not only am I going to learn something, but my my audience is going to learn all about this, which I've been talking about in some different episodes. and they are kind of wondering where I'm going with this. But basically, the whole platform that I'm on is I'm trying to actually bring, advocate plant-based medication to help PTSD, firefighters and addiction and everybody else. And I slowly started investigating more and more about psychedelics, so having a somebody professional as you on the show is a great honor to me. So, why don't you tell my audience a little bit of background on you, how you started, uh, why PTSD and firefighters are important to you, and how you got involved in the psychedelic industry?
1: Well, thanks for having me. It's it's an honor to be here, and I really appreciate um, this opportunity. Yeah. So, um, you know, back in the nineties, I was actually a forestry firefighter for a number of years in my summers while I was at university. And, um, when I got, that was a criminology degree I did at that time, which was fantastic. And I I really loved it. And, but what, where I was going to go with that after kind of changed, you know, as you go through things in life, you know, pathways change really frequently. And a number of my good friends, guy friends were actually city firefighters and they, they said to me, they said, paneling, you've got everything you need. Uh, we're hiring. Departments are hiring. I had been doing forestry firefighting, like I said, which are like hard 16-hour days. Yes. They're like, if you can do that, you can do what we're doing. So I um, I started throwing out some applications. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that big of a person, but 5'5". Five, five. And uh, I found uh, the chiefs following me around the assessments. And I thought, oh, either I'm in trouble or, <laughs> but anyways, I ended up, <laughs> I ended up uh, making it all the way through, through the, uh, you know, combat challenge and, and all that. And, and did pretty good for my size and, and was in great shape. And I had been an elite athlete in university too at the time. So I had a lot of that going for me and ended up getting hired on with the uh, city of Coquitlam, which is um, part of uh, the greater Vancouver area in British Columbia. And did that for eight years, and I loved it. I mean, those guys are my 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 family, my friends, my brothers, my uncles, my dad's. Made great time. Um, you know, I took my knocks too. You know, they put me <laughs> through the grind for sure, as you know. Like it was yes. an, it was not an easy ride. It was not an easy ride, but you know, once those that hated me the most at first became my biggest allies, and would actually get in fights about it if somebody you know um, had something to say about me being there.
0: Yeah, but anyway, it's, always, it's, it's great. always like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You really got to earn it. And, you know, there's always going to be some people that never like you and that you just got to be OK with that. That's that's lifelong anywhere you are. Oh, yeah. But it was great. Like and and those guys are still some of my best friends. In fact, one's coming up here tomorrow. We're going fishing. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, that's nice. And uh, yeah. But, you know, I as much as I loved being in the fire department, I I was always really what was really really always catching my interest was the medical side of it we did all the medical emergencies we're always going to the medical emergencies i was always intrigued when we hit the emerge department i was the one calling back the emerge doc and saying what happened to that guy or that whatever and so i don't know it it was just logical at that time to me i became very apparent that i should should take a bigger look into it so i finished up my science degree while i was on the fire department and then applied to medicine and got into medicine and I never looked back, but my, my heart's always been with the fire service. And, you know, I, I, you know, witnessed a lot of stuff. We got together a lot of stuff. I saw a lot of people get really, you know, injured and hurt, not just physically, but also, you know, there's a lot of moral, as you know, a lot of moral fatigue and injury. You know, you, you, you enter this profession to, to really help. And sometimes you can't help. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes things go sideways. Sometimes things are completely outside your control or, or you just can't, you can't do it. It's just not possible. And so, so it's always stuck with me. And so that's um, always been close to my heart as I moved into medicine.
0: So, so let me ask you, when you moved into medicine, did you think about going right into psychedelics? How did that translate from medicine to, to the psychedelic research and stuff like that? How did you make that transition?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, what I'm, I was in medicine always one that jumped into the things that scared me the most. So mental health scared me It's because it's an unknown, right? It's, it's really something that is not treated uh, very well. We don't get a lot of successes with it. And we're all worried that we'll be that person or that we're the one. So I, I did a lot of extra training when it came to mental health. And then the other thing that I, we were really poorly taught is chronic pain. And so I dove right. head, head on into that as well. And that was primarily what I was mostly doing was chronic pain treatment, getting people out of chronic pain and using my athletic background and all the training I had been through and to really motivate people into what actually needed to happen, building the foundations, right? The foundations of fitness, healthy eating, stress reduction, and then getting people well. And at the same time, I was really following what was going on at John Hopkins in New York State, NYU, around the uh, psilocybin with end of life. And seeing the fantastic results that were happening there and realizing that, you know, there's a potential that these medicines will come back into being. And that's where my criminology degree was really helpful because I already knew all about the war on drugs. I already knew that, you know, drugs, so almost all the drugs that were criminalized were not done so because the medical community was saying, hey, these are bad things. They were being done because they wanted to criminalize the people that were using it. So, you know, marijuana criminalization um, in Canada and the U.S. was because it was about controlling the black population, the jazz musicians, the the Hispanic migrants coming into the U.S. Um, You know, in Canada, opium and heroin, that was completely legal when we needed the cheap Chinese labor to build the railroads. But then when we had a labor surplus and we didn't want the Chinese cheap labor around, That's when opium and heroin started getting criminalized. And when you look back, and and my criminology degree did this, you know, when we look back, there wasn't a lot of logic. There wasn't, the the, the doctors weren't saying, hey, these drugs need to be criminalized. In fact, uh, the doctors on both sides of the border were arguing the exact opposite. These are medicines. We were using cannabis as a medicine. We were using opium and heroin as a medicine, and all, most of the issues, like, yes, there were issues then, yes, there were addiction, yes, there are problems there, but nothing that couldn't be managed in, in the medical field like we have with other medications we use all the time. But it was about cultural control, and especially in the U.S., you know, youth were starting to think, like, do we really want to go and fight a war? Like, maybe I don't want to go and take the risk that I might not come back. Maybe I would rather stay here and listen to music and dance, right. you know, that's a log. To me, that's a logical choice, you know. Right. Eat good food, hang out with your friends, listen to great music. That's a good choice. Go to another country and shoot people. Maybe not such a good choice. <laughs> and so, anyways, with with my criminology degree, I kind of knew that. And so, in medicine, it started to meld. They started to realize, oh, you know, people are going to start to get this. People, we're going to start to understand that these medicines are really useful. And so I I jumped into wherever I could. I took whatever training I could. I read whatever books I could. I read all the research on it and started realizing also in my chronic pain practice that I could do about 50% of it with the patient. The patient could actually do it. I I was just facilitating. Everybody heals themselves. I'm a firm believer of that. But my patients could do about 50% of the healing, but it felt like the the other 50% was more like existential distress, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, um, perseverations, like ruminating, like going over the same thoughts. And all of that is landing in the body, which of course we know a lot more about now in the last, you know, five to 10 years, we're talking about somatic, like how you feel it in your body, you know, like a tension headache, you know, you get pain in your head and your neck because of stress and tension. A lot of people get lower back pain because of anger. Um, You got people that have knee pain and and a lot of this is is really emotional stress saying like the whole body is attached. And so that's where it really came from. So I started realizing that, you know what, If if I was really going to get a lot, a big subset of my patients better, I needed better tools. And that didn't include giving them a drug that they needed to take for the rest of their life. It was a contemplation of are there medicines out there that maybe they only need once or twice? To get better
0: and that's right. psychedelic it, medicine it, and that's the that's the the cool thing because a lot of people like my audience that are, that are listening and i had this conversation a lot with a lot of people about cannabis and, and and all that what a lot of people don't know cannabis and psychedelics in the past were actually used prior as medications they were actually mm-hmm. already doing these things like you said before it got criminalized <laughs> And people didn't ever understand that. They came into the world where, oh, yeah, don't do the war on drugs. You know, this is your brain on drugs and all this. So they never really did the research to find that out. So it was already being used in the past. And now it's coming Mm -hmm. back, correct?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And this is what is, I think, really important for people to get is that there wasn't medical evidence to take these away. These were legitimate medicines. It was really, you know, when we talk about propaganda and we're ensconced in that right now in this world, right? You know, what is real, what is not, but we were all duped. Like we were truly duped and people should be upset, especially people in the medical professions and the healing professions and first responders. You should be angry. We should be angry that these were taken away from us for purely propaganda reasons, Again, yes, there were issues. Yes, they're not perfect medicine. And we are smart enough to deal with that, right? I deal with the side effects of medications all the time. Like for my cardiac patients, we say, okay, we're using this medication for this reason, and there may be these side effects. And we have an adult conversation about it. But that didn't happen. You know, the 70s, the 80s, and 90s was a really well orchestrated way of how we were trained to think a different way about medicines. We were you know, we saw the frying pan. This is your brain on drugs. Just say no. You know, and and the good thing now is, you know, the just say no with the word no spelled N O has been replaced by a really thoughtful group of healthcare educators with just say no K N O W. The best thing you can have is education. Learn about these and make a decision. So yeah, fundamentally, people just once you know. Again, I'm just reiterating again, once you know that these medications were taken away purely for, uh, you know, uh, racism and cultural and political control, then you can start to go, okay, now I can remove all that propaganda from my brain and start brand new and go, what is the medical evidence? How, How can cannabis be used as a medicine to serve? How can psilocybin be used as a medicine to serve? How can MDMA or LSD and what is the best reason for it? And what is, what is the reason not to use it and how can we use it in a meaningful adult way? So yeah, once you remove that propaganda, we're in a, we're in a whole new conversation, which is interesting, science driven, evidence informed, and it's an adult conversation. Right. And, And
0: the cool thing about psychedelics, it, it, they're more like therapies more than a a, a a treatment of of a of a of a cause, if I'm correct, right? So explain a little bit about how psychedelics work compared to the normal pharmacology work um, medications work that way. If you kind of understand what I mean, because I know they go in a different yeah. aspect. They work more of a of a how can I say they create. They create more like, I hate to use the word cure, but they are, studies are showing they create cures instead of mm-hmm. actually treating and uh, what's causing. It's not, it's curing what's causing and it's not treating actually the symptoms of what's, what it is. If that yeah. makes sense. I'm a little, yeah, a little, totally. All over the place. But. <laughs> totally.
1: and, yeah, and and maybe a couple ways of thinking about it, kind of in this high level, not perfect way of looking at it. Because, I mean, these medicines are different. And everyone is different, and why why one would use them is different. But let's say you have, you know, a really really bad call, right? Let's say you're the engine driver, and um, there's something you do that you misread. Maybe grabbing, or maybe you're, you're the hydrant person, and you miss grabbing the hydrant, and that delays a water supply for, um, you know. 30 seconds and something else goes wrong and something else goes wrong. Right. And, and then you're sitting there going, shit, I messed that up. You know, I messed that up. And then you get down on yourselves. Cause that's what we're like when we're, you know, right. firefighters our first responders, we critically assess everything. MDs. We do the same thing. We are our worst. We are our worst critics. We are always like, could have done that better. I should have done that better. I should have known. And so, so that, that gets in the brain. Right. And that gets in our fight and flight. Cause it elevates our stress level. So now you're on your next call and you're going to grab the hydrant and your, your normal like confidence of, I know how to do the job is just shot a little bit. Now you've got stress, right? Now you've got stress and you're not, you're not in, so you're not, when you're working in that high stress level, you're not in the smartest part of your brain, which is like the prefrontal cortex, you're back here in the dinosaur brain. But what you want to be is you want to be in the smart brain where you can see everything that's happening. And you can make good assessments and you can be calm. And you know, like, you know, you're in that zone when everything slows down, right? When it's slow and you're like totally breathing and you can look around versus like when you're freaking out.
0: Right.
1: So psychedelics help us get back there. So let's say you've had a critical incident stress or you've just been in a car accident and now you're driving by that street again and it's kind of freaking you out because that's where the other car ran the red light right? You're in your amygdala, you're in your old dinosaur brain. And that's what many of the psychedelics do is they just help down regulate, calm down amygdala, like, shh, it's okay, it's not happening anymore. So you can get back into your smart brain again. Right? It's yeah, that happened in the past, but it's not happening today, or in the future. You're okay. So you get into the smart part of your brain. So when it comes to those of us that work with critical incidences, a, a, a session with a psychedelic after a critical incidence can calm everything down. So you can get back to the smart brain and say, oh, yeah, well, maybe I did screw that up or maybe I didn't come to a full stop. But that's not what the world is full of now. And so you can return to your being. Or let's say you had something like, uh, you know, a big childhood trauma, like a rape or a sexual assault or an abandonment issue, you know, you can go back under a psychedelic and you can revisit that at a much higher level in a way that you can really look at it from who you are now, not from when it happened, you know? So if you were 12 years old, you can go back and go, okay, yeah, that happened, but now I'm 35 and it's not happening anymore. So I don't have to be afraid anymore. I can protect myself. I'm much stronger. I'm a different person. And you get to reparent yourself in this way. So it's, what I'm saying is it's kind of a mishmash, a salad of how this works or can work because all the psychedelics work a little bit different. Right. But what, it, what is different than a pharmaceutical medicine? Like let's say you're depressed. The pharmaceutical medicine is trying to give us a neuroreceptor, a neurotransmitter to make up for what we're not making. But what I would prefer people to do is get to the point where you remake it, right? Where you're making it yourself. And sometimes that's where the psychedelics can do that is you can get to the seed of the issue and then you get back to your foundations of health. So you're eating well again, you're exercising again, you're talking to your friends, you're not holding in your feelings, you're letting them out, you're having a good cry, you're having a good laugh, you're yelling at the top of your lungs and you're letting it go, you know, stuff like that.
0: So it's kind of of like... Psychedelics are make, helping you start over, basically, where, mm-hmm. where, where that mistake happened. Instead of actually using a pharmaceutical, it says, okay, since that mistake happened, you're missing this element. We're just going to give that element that you're missing. But mm-hmm. you still always had that event that's causing that missing element, where psychedelics mm-hmm. go back and let you start over to where you can reprogram your whole body from that, that point in time. And, then mm-hmm. that's, and that's where they come back with the percentage of being cured because you're no longer treating it. They're actually creating a whole new set of events which now makes it you don't have it anymore, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's
1: a great way of saying it. And and another way of saying it, which may land with a few with some people, is it's kind of like having a repetitive injury, right? Like carpal tunnel. You know, you keep going down when you have that trauma in your brain, you can keep going down that pathway of reliving it, thinking about it. Right. uh, analyzing it. So you keep making this pathway. So you get this repetitive injury pathway in your brain psychedelics can press the pause on that and allow you to make a new pathway and let that one grow over with, with, you know, weeds, like, you know, and create a new pathway. And we do that all the time. Like we do that all the time at a high level with our elite athletes, right? You you visualize the race, you visualize the run and you create that pathway over and over and over so that when you get into that high stress competition, you know what to do. And that's why we do all the training on, on the training grounds all the time, right? So that right. you know how to slam up that ladder, run it up, do a clove hitch, grab the hose, and go. Right? You you have that patterning. But what happens when the patterning goes to the negative? So what you want to do is create the you want to create the repetitive pathway to the good, right? Right. And so you just want to let that old one grow over. And that's what the psychedelics can do. And and they're not a one hit wonder for everyone. I think that I think this is really important to know. You know, sometimes. You see, like the medicine shows up, but then you have to show up too. Right. So if you have a psychedelic session, you know, like for instance, PTSD, uh, MDMA is used for PTSD in the MAPS trials, excellent results, 67% curative, you know, with one to three sessions, but then you, you have the medicine session with Uh, you know, in a group setting with a group therapy or a one-on-one or two-on-one dyad. And then you get the messages, you get what you, you learn, but then you have to integrate it. You have to make it real. Like once it comes to your conscious mind, now you have to, you have to uh, action it, right? right? It's not a passive system. You have to go, Oh, here's my trigger coming up and I'm not going to respond with anger this time. I'm just going to be with it. I'm right. going to respond differently, right? And for some people, they make massive gains, and they totally get over their trauma after one session, and that's fantastic. And for some people, you know, we need a few more sessions, and that's okay because that's life, right? Like whoever, whoever goes to the gym once and then exactly. says, okay, I'm done.
0: Right. No,
1: you, you go again, right? You that's build right. on that's- the
0: learning. Right. That's what I tell a lot of people. I tell a lot of people that medical cannabis, the psychedelics, Mm -hmm. it's not you're going to go out and buy this stuff, take it. And all of a sudden, everything is going to be hunky dory and be good. There's other stuff involved that you have to participate in. And I always use the same example as when I coach my athletes, I go, sometimes Mm -hmm. an injury is good because Mm -hmm. what it does is it takes you back to where you hurt yourself, figure out what went wrong. And like you said, you can create Mm -hmm. that new pathway to making sure that that doesn't happen again to a better endpoint and that's exactly what you're saying psych psychedelics does. basically create that new pathway away from the injury you don't think about it anymore so mm-hmm. that that's 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 amazing so yeah currently and, a light, about, oh, and sorry, just wait. one
1: thing just I just want to jam on what you said there but and life's like that right you don't go yeah. you don't there's no you don't get to the top of the mountain and you're done life you got it all yeah. figured out no you get a new challenge right it's like a video game you get to level 1 and then you get new challenges and you get to level 2 so that's the one thing is a lot of people get these will read the media stories around psychedelics and think oh if i just do the psilocybin i will be done no it's not like that life right. is life there's ups and downs there's challenges we get kicked down we get up we start again we learn we move on that's what makes us resilient
0: exactly 100% i agree with that 100% currently like you said there are certain there currently studies are doing studies on addiction ptsd what's what's coming out the What's coming out of the forefront right now? Because I know if I'm correct, I think uh, ketamine's already out for, for for they're already out using it down here. I know you're mm-hmm. in Canada it's a little bit different than we are, uh, but I think uh, it was it. It's philocybin's next. I think they're in state they're testing around mm-hmm. right clinical stage phase four. Correct? Are they doing right uh, you now? Are they still? Yeah, phase
1: three? yeah. I don't know if they're in phase. No, I don't think we're in phase four yet. I think there's some phase threes that are going to launch soon, and there's also like. These massive decriminalization, like Oregon is legalized. Right. So, th- you know, that's going to push things differently. California has it on the ballot soon. Uh, many, many uh, cities across the U.S. and Canada have decriminalized, which means the police can't put any resources to going after it unless every other crime is solved. Right. Um, you know, Canada. Here, here in Florida, they're,
0: they're, trying to, they're trying to do it too. I think they passed. They didn't pass one. They put their first one in, but now they're talking about it since it mm-hmm. it's was written up. So, yeah. 100%, I yeah, so
1: I yeah I would expect that we're going to see state to state to state. In Canada, it's a bit different because we have a federal healthcare system. So if we say it's legal, it's legal. That's all there is to it. That's why cannabis is legal everywhere in Canada. It's, it's not province by province. So that's that's a nice little hurdle not to, to have to worry about. But you asked about the evidence where things are at. So I think MDMA is is clearly a no brainer for PTSD. It has it has the evidence for it. The evidence has been published over and over and over. Um, it's also a great um, a, um, accompaniment to um, couples therapy. And in fact, before MDMA was was criminalized in the 1980s, therapists and psychotherapists were training like crazy with MDMA to add it in to their counseling um, protocols. Because, I mean, it opens your heart, right? Like what a better way to do couples counseling with your loved one or your family, but with, with your heart open where you act because you actually care about these people, right? Right. LSD um, was in before it was uh, criminalized in the 1960s was being used, was having great uh, success in research with alcoholism and depression. Um, There was like that. There was at least a thousand studies with LSD in the 60s between 1960, and 1965, and um, we'll see where that goes again. I think that definitely in addiction, it's it's a very strong medicine. And psilocybin is very hard opening. So it works very well for depression. In some cases, very well for PTSD, anxiety. There's some clinical trials going on with eating disorders. And uh, my group is working on uh, opioid because the opioid crisis here in Canada is, is similar to in the US. And so we have a clinical trial coming up with psilocybin and opioid addiction. And then, of course, end of life distress What a better way to, you know, if you have a palliative care diagnosis, to be able to have a wonderful session on on psilocybin that brings true meaning and love back into your life.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Where do you see the future of of psychedelics going from this point on? I know you touched a little bit on what you just said, but where do you see, how do you see it coming out a little bit more? Is it just more regulation, not more regulation, decriminalization? Do you see that's the way? Is it more therapies coming out? How do you see it working?
1: Yeah, I guess if I if I really had to, what I think, what I hope will happen actually is that we are going to fund a, a lot more research and really get a good sense of what medicine for what indications and for how frequently we are going to see academic programs across North America that train therapists and medical professionals. Um, In all different ways of using these therapies, both in the one-on-one setting, the two-on-one, which is when you have two therapists working together, um, and in groups. That's what I do right now. My my program, Roots to Thrive in Canada, is a group group. Program and I love the groups because it's so fun. Like people heal so fast. You know, everybody is worried at first. Oh, everybody's going to learn my crap, and and then you realize everyone's got a bucket full of crap. We're all (laughs) in the same boat, and and what better way to to get better than to have a community that cares about you and you care about them. So I I hope we see a lot more therapy that way. I hope we see a way, um, you know, of returning some of these medicines into the creativity and cultural ways. You know, artists have been the cultural creatives. I I know a ton of musicians that, that use um, low doses of these medicines before they go on stage, uh, like psilocybin. They say the band jams so much better. They all feel so connected. So I hope to see it in artistry, and I hope to see it in rites of passage. I think it would be so lovely for parents to be able to um, maybe you know be considering these rites of passages as you know their their teens become young adults or whatever, the things that we don't really have anymore that we we probably did when we all go back to our indigenous roots of where we came from. You know, these rites of passage of moving from childhood to adolescent are into teens, into young adults, into eldership, it might be I would love to see that. I think I think psilocybin is, is a medicine that's probably as a strong cultural it's, it's it grows all over the world. And so there, there's all sorts of cultural ways that we can be looking at that. So I think we I think we have a really wonderful opportunity here in the world right now to do a lot of things with these medicines. One, use them for like I said, use them for the medicine that we need. Um to bring them back into our artistry. You know the music making, the, the visual arts, and and three the rites of passages, and do it in a in a way that is um, thoughtful and safe, and obviously right. safe. That that goes with the, I mean that goes without anything else without saying really. But everything I said talked about it needs to be safe, and the best way to make something safe is bring it above ground. You know, bring it out so that you know that how it's manufactured. You know that it's safe. You know that it's not contaminated. Um, you know, have growing courses so people can grow their own. I'm not about. I don't want to take it away from anyone. I, I I really do want every whoever needs access to it. But and again, do it safe and efficiently, and find the most effective ways of getting it to people.
0: Right. That's that's that that's the key point. Safe and the biggest thing is of course to help all this is bring out the education on, on what it can do. So I appreciate you being on my show. If people want to learn more about psychedelics or follow you, where, where they, they can could do, do, do that?
1: Um, well, they can follow me on LinkedIn. I, I pretty much try to stay off most social media. I feel like it's it probably, I tell all my patients that do stay off social media. It's one of the fastest ways to get depressed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, LinkedIn, you can find me there. And then our program, roots to thrive.com. That's where I mostly am. That's where I'm the happiest. I I get to watch people, you know, cure their PTSD, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and addiction. And and it it's really meaningful. It's and and I just want to put a little plug out. Like we're all all of us are working hard. Like the doctors, the nurses, the first responders, we all went into this business for a really good reason. And sometimes, you know, we get tainted so Kindness goes a long ways. I know you guys are working hard too, and uh, we have to go through a lot of stuff. And um, but let's make keep keep trying to find ways to show up, leading with our hearts and kindness.
0: Good, good, good way to end it. I would like to actually do one more plug for you. I know in a couple of weeks on the September 22nd, you're actually doing something for first responders. And a lot of first responders are going to listen to this podcast. Can you explain exactly what that is and what's going on and how they could actually register to go actually listen to your your webinar?
1: Yeah, thank you. I totally forgot about that, but thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, so I'm I'm a board member of the Canadian Psychedelic Association. And um, what I have a webinar coming up, we, we try to really fill in the blanks on our webinars for the Canadian Psychedelics Association. So this one is uh, we have two firefighters and uh, two paramedics that are g- going to be on joining me. And we're just we're going to talk about their healing experiences, you know, w- what they've come through and, and how psychedelics have helped them or are helping them or may help them in the future. And, and really talk about it again. It's talking about it from a, a science informed Way um, and an adult conversation. So uh, if you go to um, psychedelicassociation.net and look at upcoming webinars, um, you can register for a small donation. If you don't want, if you want it access for free, no problem. You just you just email us and uh, our assistants will give you free access. Nobody has. We don't turn anyone away if they can't pay. And all all donations go to the volunteer activities of the Canadian Psychedelic Association. So thanks for asking. Yeah.
0: That's great. So for, for most of the audience who's first responders or the EMS or, or firefighters, please go ahead. I'm going to stick the links on this show is actually be posting next week. So that you're going to be able to get it before the show comes out before the 22nd. So if you're listening to this before the 22nd, go ahead and those links. It'll be in the show notes. Click on it. And hopefully we'll see everybody on the 22nd during that uh, that great webinar. And we'll all learn something together and see exactly what psychedelics can and will do here in the future. Dr. Crisco, I appreciate you coming to my show today. I appreciate everything you're doing. And I'm hoping that we can stay in touch and do some wonderful stuff together.
1: That would be great. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be here with you today.
0: You have a great day.
1: I will. Thanks. You too.
0: One of the best places to go is Podcast Powertrain. Right now they're doing an amazing offer for all their course material. If you want to actually help get your... uh, show ranked all you gotta do is go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash powertrain and you'll get all the information there also if you're looking for a platform not sure which platform to use to record your show on Riverside FM is the one we use you can also go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash riverside check them out and you will not be disappointed again thank you for all listening to the show and we will see you well we'll see you but We'll get with you next week. You guys have a great week.
1: If you're still listening to this, that means you gained some type of value. So what we need you to do is leave a review and make sure you subscribe. So you never miss an episode of The Good Dudes Grow.